Um, well, great to welcome you here this morning. My name's Jez, uh, pastor here at Second City. And uh, just as Terry explained before, what we, what we do on Sunday mornings is we take a piece of passage from the Bible, uh, which we believe is the inspired word of God. That means we believe God is speaking to us through his word. And we're going to start to understand what it means, understand what God intended to communicate uh, first uh, within the context of the first people who would read it, but then also for ourselves. What does it mean for us as we engage with this? And we'll do it in two ways. I'll explain some stuff and then we'll get some chance in our groups to um, discuss. So my goal this is my goal, you know, maybe somebody give me a wave at 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> my goal is to be around 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and then to give you about 20 minutes, I'd like to give you 20, uh, in your groups discussing some of those implications of those things. Because, um, you know, a lot of these things that we're reading here, we, we want to chew over, and we might have some questions about it in our group, uh, but we all, uh, in terms of, like, understanding it, but also we're, we're bound to have some questions of, what does it mean for me? And, and that's what the, the, the groups uh, are there for. Okay, well, we'll just give you a little brief recap in terms of where we are. We are studying through the book of Acts. Uh, Dr. Luke, who wrote the, the uh, gospel of, that's called Luke, writes his second edition. Uh, and his desire is to explain what, what happened after Jesus ascended into heaven. So we, we know that Dr. Luke records everything of Jesus' life, uh, his death, and then his resurrection, and then his time with some of the uh, early followers of Jesus, early believers, uh, and, and then he, he leaves, um, and it records these uh, the accounts. And so far, we've looked at Jesus speaking to them, saying, look, I've got a task for you, and that task is this. I want you to be my spirit-filled witnesses being sent out right across the world telling other people about the hope you now have. Now, that's a really important thing for, for us as Christians. We have a hope, a sure and steadfast hope. It's a fantastic hope. Now, some of us here may, may not yet be Christians and we're just exploring. Uh, but the one thing you should know is that Christians have this amazing hope in life and death. And that hope is that Christ has made a way in which they can live forever with God. What an amazing hope. And that the hope in life is that Christ is with us through his spirit. So we have a hope, a sure and steadfast hope in life and death. Now imagine this. You have this clear hope. It's tangible. It's real. Your, your mind is not confused about this. Imagine the way in which you could live differently if you knew your life and death was secure. Think about that just for yourself right now and your relationship with yourself. How many of us here have struggled over the years with our relationship with ourselves? You know, we, yeah, you can put your hands up if you want to. I know we all have, but yeah, I'm just putting it up to show that I have. You know, that, just, that relationship with ourselves, who are we? Do we even like ourselves? Are we comfortable with ourselves? I've been speaking to Ezra. He's like a little mini-me. If you meet my four kids, they're the ones that should be not running around, but probably are running around. Um, 
And uh, I keep on saying to Ezra, listen, listen, Ezra, you've got an Ezra voice, yeah? That's the real Ezra. The world needs an Ezra voice. Why? Because there's only one Ezra. God has made you and you have a special voice. That's who you are. How many of us are comfortable with the voice, as it were, you know, that God has given us? How many of us are happy with who we are? Imagine what a sure and steadfast hope that God made you, he loved you, and he gave his son for you, what that would do to you. It radically changes what you need to do and what you need to live for. No, no longer now do we live for our, need to live for ourselves because we have been affirmed. The one who made us says we're good, he loves us. Now we can start to live for others. Imagine our relationship with the world, you know, in terms of uh, people around us. Sometimes we might view our relationships with others in terms of a competitive nature. How do I fit within the context of this small group? How do these other people view me? What's my position? What's my value? What's my worth in the context of this community? Well, again, imagine having a sure and steadfast hope. God has made you to be the person he wants you to be, and he's placed you in a particular place for a purpose. So we're not wandering around saying, hey, what, what am I doing here on earth? What's my purpose? Oh, no, we, we know our purpose. We are here to live for Christ, yeah, to, 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 to be about his purpose uh, and to tell other people about the hope that we have. That's the purpose that we have. I could go on about this sure and steadfast hope, but I, I, I will not be 20 minutes if I keep on doing this. Um, but I just wanted to sort of bring this in, that Jesus has given this message to these, this group of people. I've got a purpose for you. I love you. I've redeemed you. Your hope is in me. Now I've got a purpose for you to live for, and that is to go into all the world and proclaim salvation in my name, hope in my name. But he says to them, wait. He says, wait. Why? Because the spirit of power is going to come. Now, this is a fulfillment of an Old Testament uh, prophecy that God would pour out his spirit on all peoples. And, and Jesus, uh, Jesus says, the time is coming when that prophecy, that, that, that promise from the past is going to come for fulfillment uh, in the future. And so they wait. And last week, we uh, saw them waiting and the spirit of God coming down in them in power. And it was like an amazing show of, of God's presence. The wind, the fire, or the tongues that looked like fire, the outpouring of, uh, of, of, of gifts in terms of speaking in other languages. And when they spoke in other languages, their purpose was clear. They started telling other people about the wonder of who God was and all the things that he had done, past and present. Uh, Peter stands up and explains it all and says, hey, do you want to know what's taking place? It's a fulfillment of the prophecy. And what it points us to is hope in Christ. And then he cuts them to the bone with some, um, some uh, understanding of their responsibility of sending the one that they'd been waiting for, the Messiah, to the cross. And it says they, they were cut to the bone. They, they, you know, their hearts were troubled, as it were, that they had done this. And 3,000, 3,000 people recognize, you know what, this is true. I want to follow Christ. And then we come to this passage. And again, I want us to make clear to us the passage that we're coming to. Uh, 
that, th- that these things have taken place before. Because we might read these, these, this passage, which gives us a list of what they, how the early church lived, what it was like, and we might think it's about doing these things. Uh, and whilst in one sense that is true, there are things that we are called to do, they come out of God working in their lives. Does that make sense? You, the things that they're going to talk about, you can't do consistently or effectively or continually without the Spirit of God filling us and leading us. Again, I talked last week about this idea of being led by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit as the same thing, that being led by the Spirit is the Spirit's initiation of it. He leads us, and then in obedience, we walk. This is the early church walking in obedience to the Spirit's leading in their lives to be the people of God on the mission of God for the world around them. So we're going to read this together. If you've got Bibles, open up at Acts 2.42. And we're going to read through to 47. And uh, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Today I'm going to give you a sort of 50,000 view look at this passage and then over the next two months we're going to slow down and engage with some of the practices and patterns and rhythms that the early church had so that we can ask ourselves what does that look like for us what does it mean for us today to be to to live out some of the things that we see were natural responses to the presence of the spirit of God in their community and in one way we could see these verses uh, like a health regime. I asked you that question, you know, what do you do to, to keep healthy? Well, what does the church do to keep healthy? What does the church do to keep fit? Well, here I think we see a list of things they did that kept them healthy, that kept them being led by the Spirit. And I'm just going to re- go through them one by one, give little brief uh, descriptions of them because we'll spend some more time in the coming weeks of them. But I just want us to get the overall sense of what the Spirit of God was doing in them. And the first thing we see in verse 42, again, keep your Bibles open um, uh, if you've got them there or or, um, it should come up on the screen. They devoted themselves to the word. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God. The apostles were teaching about the kingdom of God. They were teaching about how there was hope in Jesus And we see that through Peter's explanation of the Old Testament scriptures, that it all came to fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, And 
And so the first thing that we see is when the Spirit of God um, comes to equip you, comes into your life, you become hungry. Think about the Word of God as the diet. Uh, so often people take the Word of God and they put it against the, uh, the Spirit of God. You know what I mean? It's like, are you, are you Spirit-filled or are you Word-filled? Well, that, in this passage we see that there's no separation. When the Spirit of God came on them, they became hungry to know God. They came hungry to, to, to experience the truth of who God was. And how did they do that? They went to the Scriptures. Now, at this point, they only had the Old Testament Scriptures to go to. Um, but they went to the scriptures and they were fed. It was their daily bread. Man cannot live by word alone, uh, by, by bread alone, but by the, the word of God. So when we are spirit filled, we become hungry. One of the things that we can maybe reflect on is in terms of like, is the spirit of God at work in me? Is it, am I allowing the spirit of God to control me, to, to, to lead me? We know he lives in all the believers' lives, but do, you know, how much am I letting him live me? Well, how hungry are you for his word? Do you feel hungry for his word? The word comes and it's powerful. It, it's, it's like fuel for the fire of our, of our, of our lives. It gives us direction and, and leading and clarity and truth and hope in every situation. It reminds us about who we are, who God is, and what he desires from us. The word and the spirit, they go, they go together. They, they are not in competition. They are united together. The second thing that we see that is that they... Uh, were devoted to one another. Again, verse 42, they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And all believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 44. So the next thing we see is they, they, they enjoyed being together. There was this fellowship. Uh, fellowship is this idea of uh, being united together, um, having a... a um, uh, a oneness of spirit because of hope in Jesus Christ. Um, and these, this was the, the, uh, for the Christians in the first century, this was just a common way of life, that they enjoyed being with one another. They were devoted not just to the word, but they were devoted to, to one another. And um, we see this being lived out in a little bit in terms of some of the ways in which they were devoted uh, to, to one another. Uh, but their union with Christ gave them a special relationship with one another, is another way of saying it. A unique relationship. As those of us who are Christians, we have a special relationship with one another. It, it's unlike any other friendship that we have with those who, who don't know Jesus. Why? Because the same Spirit of God lives in us. Now, hear me right. That doesn't mean that we like some people more than we like others. I'm just saying there's a special relationship, a devotion to one another, a care for one another that's taking place because they were united in, in God. Um, so that's devoted to one another. Thirdly, we see them devoted to the breaking of bread. So this is verse 20, uh, um, 42 again. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Uh, and then later on in 46, we see this lived out. They said they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. 
So the kind of second exercise that the church was doing was a, an exercise of remembrance. They, they, they recognized that they would need to continue to remember their hope in Christ. And this is what they're doing. They're finding ways to, to say, hey, what's our hope in life and death? Well, our, our hope in life and death is Jesus Christ. And in terms of breaking bread, I don't know if you've sort of come across that term, but it, it comes from where Jesus broke bread with, with the disciples and he tells them to keep on breaking bread in remembrance of him. And the breaking of his body is the symbolic breaking of, 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 of the bread. And then the drinking of the wine is the spilling of his, his blood on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, which is a, is, we're told is like a new covenant that in the past... It, they came in relationship through the blood of lambs and bulls. Now they were coming through the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, a new agreement with him. And so these guys were getting together and saying, we need to keep the most important things here central in our lives. We just need to remind ourselves of our, our simple hope in Christ. Now, sometimes we can make following Jesus very diff- uh, um, complicated of so many different rules and regulations um, and I'm not trying to dismiss those in any way but our hope in Jesus and all that he's done for us makes sense of all those r- rules that makes sense all the things that we do it's, it's the central piece of, of everything in our lives you know how do we uh, deal with disappointment in our lives well we go to the cross We see what Christ has done for us. We know that our hope is secure in him. And even though circumstances may be difficult or circumstances might change, we know something is secure in our lives, which means that we don't need to worry or uh, or be concerned about those circumstances. Or maybe we're just dealing with sin in our own lives. Maybe there's something in our lives that we're just really struggling to overcome. Again, how do we deal with it? Well, we take it to the cross. We know that Christ has... When Christ died on the cross, that he gave us uh, victory over our sins. And so now we're able to have victory over our sin as we trust him, as we trust his word to give us the ability to overcome that sin. So the second exercise that they did uh, was of remembrance. How do we remember? Yes, we break bread, but it's not the only way that we remember. How do you remind yourself of who God is every single day of your life? Do you have a prayer that you read in the morning and that you read at night? Do you take time to do a journal of reflection where you're remembering God's daily work in in your lives? Do you have a pattern of reading from scripture that helps you again remember who Christ is? Well, uh, whatever it might be, we need to be a people that's continuing to remember. Thirdly, we see here um, that they were devoted to prayer. This is their kind of third exercise that they took place. Uh, I won't spend too much time on this, but a quick survey of Acts will show us that prayer was a normal part of their lives. Uh, They prayed in private. They prayed corporately. They prayed without ceasing. They prayed for the sick and the afflicted. They prayed for their daily needs. They prayed for one another. They prayed for those who were not part of the the church. They prayed for their food. They prayed for forgiveness. They prayed for fellowship with God and for fellowship with one another. A healthy church is a church that prays 
all the time. Why does a church pray? Well, because we're just talking to God. <laughs> That's what prayer is. We're, we're talking to the one that we have hope in. Prayer is about intimacy and dependence. We pray because we get to talk to our lovingly, loving Heavenly Father. We get to share the things that are going on of the day, the worries, the concerns, the hopes, the fears. And we draw near to him. But it's also about dependency because we know that we can't do things on our own. We go to him and say, you are God, we are not. Help us. Help me with this besetting sin that I just can't, and bad habit that I just can't seem to get rid of. Pray for our, 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 uh, our friends in Iran who are being uh, oppressed at this time. Uh, pray for my friend down, down the road whose who's, who's, who's mum has got cancer. We, we pray because it matters. It matters to us because it's about intimacy and it matters because he's the only one who's able to, 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 to uh, deliver what we need to be done. So, there's just so many things on there, way beyond our control. So they were a community that prayed. Fourthly, we see this radical generosity. Now, I think in a materialistic world that we live in, of which we've got to admit that it has an impact on ourselves because it's the culture that we live in. The sort of stuff it talks about here is pretty scary. It's at verse 45. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Wow. This is extraordinary sharing. Yeah. We're going to bring some food and share. It cost us a little bit of money, but it wasn't that bad, was it? Uh, no, these guys sold property and, and their possessions to give to anyone who had need. Anyone who had need. Now, there was a particular focus later on we'll see where they made sure they were taking care of one another. But it wasn't just one another they took care of. The people around them recognized they were taking care of those who were not part of their number, those who didn't believe. This is extraordinary or should I say, just ordinary, kingdom living. This is not communism where we say we all own the same things. No, this was voluntary and sacrificial giving that was rooted in their vision of who Christ was, who voluntarily gave the, his life up for us in a sacrificial way on the cross. And they said, well, look, we're followers of Jesus. We must imitate him. Okay, how do they imitate him? Well, they recognize, hey, my job is to steward the things that I've got. These things will be here for now and gone tomorrow. Let me use them for the purpose of showing the kingdom of God, yeah? How do, I, how do we do that? We do that by blessing other people. This is something I think that every Christian could grow massively in. And you know what? The more their hearts were changed by God's spirit, the more sensitive they became to people's needs around them. Same is true for us. The more the Spirit of God and the Word of God lives us, the more we should become compassionate and sensitive to those around us. Interestingly, in the early church, they permitted no one to go to bed hungry, no one to sleep upon the streets. This is a radical generosity that displayed the kindness and mercy of God to other people. 
Next, we see this constant interaction with one another. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart. The church lived out their faith every day with one another. This was not a Sunday event. Oh, this is church. No, Sunday's not the church. You are the church. Sunday's when the church gets, is one of the days the church might get together to do a formal celebration or even an informal celebration as we're doing. They were constantly in relationship with each other. It wasn't a, hi, see you today, hope you, everything goes well, and then we'll catch up and have the same conversation next week again. No, these were people who were concerned about one another, enjoyed spending time with one another, Again, not at the exclusion of those who didn't know Jesus, okay, who didn't follow Jesus. But this was the constant reality of their lives. They spent time together. They set time aside. And we see that they set time aside to gather in both big and small. Again, verse 46, in the temple courts and in the homes. They recognized that there were different places. They there was 3,000 of them. They couldn't all meet in a home. Where did they go? Well, they went to the biggest public space that they could find where they would be able to free to talk about the things of God. Where did they go? They went to the temple. So the 3,000 and then the people that were being added daily would gather throughout uh, the week in the temple courts and they would teach and the word of God. They would have some fellowship together. But then also they would meet in smaller groups because they recognized that they you know, couldn't have the same level of intimacy. It must, must have been hard to break bread with 3,000 people, unless Jesus was blessing something that was multiplying, as he did before. So they went and they met in each other's homes, much more intimate, and they remembered, and they invested in one another, and they cared for one another, and they got to know one another. It's not about the big gatherings, and it's not just about the small gatherings. It's, it's about us coming together in different ways to do different things, to remind ourselves, to build ourselves up in Christ. Next, we see the kind of spirit or the joy that these guys had uh, because of what was taking place. They had a spirit of all gladness and praise to God. Verse 43 says everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And then when they broke bread in their homes, it said they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Their gatherings were joyful things. They were celebratory things. They, They were not like boring, dry, like let's just repeat off rote the truth of who God is, like a dry biscuit, but it's good for you, you know. Um, no, no, they, 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 they celebrated. This was amazing. God was at work. God was at work in them. God was at work through them. God was at work in the people around them. Their society was changing. It was exciting. And who did they thank for it? And what, where did they see that was taking place? Well, they saw that God was doing it, and they were doing it through them. That they, they got... You know, a front row seat at the hand of God working to change people's lives. It's the same for us today. Nothing's different. 
we get a front row seat at God working amongst us. Maybe we're not seeing 3,000 people come to faith, but if we, if we continue to share our lives with other people, we will see his power at work in them and his power of God, uh, the power of God at work in us. Are we guys, are we folks who come uh, when we gather together full of awe and joyful hearts? Maybe some of us need to take a little bit of time to recalibrate our glasses to see God at work. I know we've got all nations here, but you know, the British have got glasses that see everything half full, you know? You know? Uh, I don't know what your culture, how you see the world. Maybe we need to recalibrate them so we recognize God's hand in the big and the small. And out of that, we start praising God. That's why sometimes we have testimony times here where we can just praise God. Do you know what God did this week? He helped me with this. Could be something small, could be something big. But they, there was a, it was a joy for to be part of that community. Am I making sense? And then we're just coming to the end of this passage. Two more things very quickly that are related. Uh, they displayed an attractive faith. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. So those around them who didn't believe yet saw something about the way this community worked. And even though they didn't believe and they knew they weren't part of it in the sense of directly in it, they had favor with the people around them. It was attractive. They said, I don't know why you're doing this. I don't know why you're feeding somebody else's widows, because that's just not what we do in Israel. You know, family takes care of widows. This widow's not your family. Why are you taking care of them? Well, it's because the people saw them as family. They redefined the spirit of God coming on the people of God, redefined family. It wasn't just flesh and blood now. It was spirit, spirit living in you. Who's your family? Well, people who've got the spirit of Godness, the family of God. So they started sharing their possessions, uh, uh, giving and caring for, feeding uh, widows, not just of their own nation, but from other nations we will find. They gave sacrificially in a way that was totally different to a me-centered culture. Same with us today, isn't it? How is our faith attractive to others? Well, everybody loves good, don't they? Everybody loves good or good deeds. That's what we do. We do good deeds just for the sake of doing good deeds so they might show the one who is truly good, that he's the one who's changed us. Our broken world needs compassion, it needs love, it needs kindness. And the people of God, filled with the Spirit of God, living for the kingdom of God, is attractive. Why? Because we love to do good for others without needing anything back. And then finally, with this, we see that there was daily evangelism. We don't see in this passage like a direct quote, and they did evangelism daily, but the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, how could they be added? Well, we know that in Romans... You can't be added unless you hear and you understand 
who Jesus is. So they were clearly giving the reason for their hope. They were clearly going around saying, hey, this is who our hope is in, Jesus Christ. Here's what he did for you. Here's how the, all of the Old Testament scriptures are fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe that might scare some of us because we aren't confident in talking uh, about Jesus. And there's many ways that we can talk about Jesus. There some of us who are very, uh, maybe very gifted in directly talking about Jesus, but some of us may just be good at talking about God's work in our lives that helps people start to ask questions. So maybe for us, you know, people asking questions, us answering those questions away for us. But whatever the means of the, uh, evangelism, they were daily, they must have been a people who together were daily proclaiming who Christ was. They were proclaiming to their friends, to their family, to their neighbours, to their, their work colleagues. They had a real care and enthusiasm that people knew about Jesus. Again, I just want to create this link. How do, how do we get excited about telling other people about Jesus? Well, one, by experiencing the work of God's Spirit in our own lives. Yeah? By recalibrating our glasses and seeing there is only one hope in life and death. His name is Jesus Christ. And that's for the whole world. When we recalibrate and we ourselves are saying, this is fantastic. God is helping me every single day. He's filling me with his spirit. And I'm enjoying walking with him. And you know what? Other people don't know about this hope. And he is the only hope in life and death. Okay. I need to speak to other people about him. Okay. Well, we are going to go and have some time reflecting on this. Okay. And... To do that, um, I want to just give four. Well, that was good. It was nice music. Um, four vital signs. So imagine that you've just done this fitness regime. How do you know that you are getting fit? Well, normally there's some vital signs. Physically, we might. Have you ever seen those um, those new um, scales? Now you want to go backward, a bit like this. You know, they've got something on here for everything. Tells you your BMI, tells you your weight. Tells, I mean, I don't even know what some of these things are, basically. Your oxygen level. I don't know how they tell that through your feet. It's amazing, you know. You know? Um, but uh, we can break some of these. We can bring some of these things together in four vital signs. The first vital sign is biblical nourishment. Are we a community that is, that is committed to being nourished biblically? Like we're growing in the word of God. Secondly, are we a community that's growing in loving fellowship, which is kind of community, discipleship, care for one another? Are we a community that's growing in vibrant worship, as in we're excited, we love God, uh, we, we want to worship him with our hands and our feet. I don't mean dancing, but I mean like with all that we have, uh, we want to worship him as well as worshiping with, with our voice and our, our lives? And are we a community that's growing in word and deed outreach? Or is our faith attractive? Are we generous to those around us? Are we engaging with telling others uh, about uh, Jesus? So we have 